Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, our featured guest is Topher Morrison. And Topher Morrison is a local business owner. He's a personal friend of mine for, I don't know, going on nine or 10 years now. Quite a while, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. And I got to see this guy going out there every day and doing the struggle of entrepreneurship alongside of me, right? And we were in both, both in two different industries, but tackling that mental game of entrepreneurship. And I've seen Topher rise up through the muck in the local business community. And every local business community has muck in it, right? This skidooge. And you got to shake it off and keep pushing until you break through and you get that like, you know, light in the sky type of feeling. So Topher is running for mayor, now, this I love. I found that light in the sky feeling, but when I get there, I'll let you know. <laughs> so here's what's awesome, right? He's, he's starting in the business community. He's breaking through. He has success. He's helping local business owners to succeed, which is right in line with what I stand for. Where, you know, I own two co-working spaces. That's what I do. We're both doing the same things. And now he's entering into the political arena. That's like going into like a cage match. It's like MMA for like business and politics. And it's really bringing in and having to back up what you stand for, right? And, and it's the perfect location for people to have poor decision-making skills and are glutton <laughs> for punishment. <laughs> Got it. So let me tell you, uh, you know, Startup Nation, a little bit about Topher. Um, and, and because this is important, like he's worked his tail off to hit some of these achievements. And it's important, I think, to be acknowledged for those things. Then we're gonna get into his story, his entrepreneurial story, and then we're gonna tie it into what's it like making your first 100K in the political arena, raising your first $100,000 campaign dollars to run for mayor in the local city that you have sludged through the entrepreneurial game with others and, and climbed your way out you know, through the top, whatever you want to call it. So let's get into it. So Topher Morrison is the founder of a personal branding agency here in Tampa, Florida. He's the author of three best-selling books, right? That in itself to take on and become an author. And I know this because I've written two. it. You got to sit down and do the effing work, right? Yeah, this is, Writing a book, it kind of sucks. There's no glamour in it, right? So he's been a resident of Tampa for 18 years. So he's a local now here in Tampa. I think it's 10 years before they approve you. They stamp you like you're Unless one of their you're own. Fifth generation Tampanian, and then you're never. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So for the past 25 years, Topher's traveled the world for business and witnessed the development of the most innovative cities and seen what happens when cities stop playing politics and start playing the game of innovation, right? Taking on the problems locally and addressing them rather than trying to look good. Right? That's huge. He volunteers his time to mentoring students at the University of Tampa. I've been able to do that alongside him uh, in the entrepreneurship sound there. And he's a member of UT's Board of Fellows. So all that means is he's coaching the next generation of entrepreneurs to innovate, to problem solve local problems in the community. As a founding member of the Center Circle uh, at the Center for Women, I think, Topher, you're like the only dude that's allowed in there with like all these <laughs> no, women. No, it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> okay, got it. Topher has a track record for advocating for equal rights for women in the workplace. He's one of the most vocal citizens in the fight against the Public Transportation Commission for allowing rideshare services like Uber and Lyft to remain in Tampa. If you're uh, in another city and you're listening to the show right now, Tampa, that's a major problem for Tampa. It's one of the local challenges that Topher is innovating. He's a member of the Tampa Downtown Partnership, serves on the Debe Development Committee for Feeding Tampa Bay, which feeds the homeless and uh, those that are, how do, how do they say it? What's that fancy word they used? Um, Hardworking moms and dads that usually have between two to three jobs and just still cannot pay all their bills. Yeah, I think it's like food impoverished or something like that. Yeah, food insecure. Food insecure. That was the fancy word. All right. And Topher is a badass public speaker. Okay. So wherever there's a stage, you'll probably see Topher there. And Even if a, I'm not paid or invited to be there. <laughs> exactly. Like he literally like bumps speakers yeah. aside and says, you're done. You're boring. It's my turn. And he goes it's up It's like there. a flash mob, but really pathetic. <laughs> just me. It's a one man mob. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, Startup Nation, you're going to see about Topher and he's going to bring into this uh, interview is that he's, he's naturally comedic, right? He likes to bring levity into see? things. See, I keep telling my office I'm funny I'm, and nobody believes me. See, he says I'm funny. You are funny sometimes, right? And it's because like, you bring levity into things where we take ourselves too seriously. And, and that also blocks, I think, a lot of problem solving. So, Topher, welcome to the also, show. That's a lot yeah. of people sometimes when it's not properly timed, but yes. Yeah, I agree. So, Topher Morrison, welcome to the show. You can find Topher at topherformayor.com. Uh, Topher that's Topher, T-O-P-H-E-R, for mayor.com. Topher, um, you also run KPI. What's the website for that? That's keepersonofinfluenceusa.com. Cool. So, Topher, welcome to the show. Fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Thank you very much. Uh, I think you did, you, you did a fine job introing me. I, I couldn't have done that better had I written it myself. Got it. And there's that comedic. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. All right. So, tell me something personal. Share something personal with our audience um, okay. that very few people in your business life know about you. Oh, well, it's not, I don't know that it's something that very few people in my business like know about me. But anytime Come I back can, to the mic, bro. Come back to the mic. Anytime I can possibly get her on camera, I try to. So <laughs> I am obsessed with my dog. So. All right. And then. up right now and she's not too happy. She's like, oh my, yeah, her eyes are like bugging out. Okay. So uh, if you're listening just to the audio podcast only, Topher is holding up his dog. What's her name? And what type her of dog? Her Macy. Probably the most adorable dog on the planet. All right. And what type yeah. of dog is she? She is a mix between a beagle and a Britney Spaniel. Love as that. As far as we can tell. So, uh, okay. So something that people probably wouldn't know about me. Mm -hmm. 
I'm a, I'm very introverted. Um, I used to be extroverted uh, and then being a professional speaker for the past three decades. Yeah. 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 The past 30 years um, that switched to where being, you know, as my job being in front of people all the time, all the time, when I get off work, I recharge my batteries by being alone. So I tend to be happiest when I'm by myself and alone mm. with Macy, my dog. That's it. Um, so mm. I'm a hardcore introvert, but I can flip the switch and become extroverted if I have to, but all things, um, said i'd probably just rather be alone with my dog i get that so let me ask you this right because this is something many of us are challenged with and it definitely applies to entrepreneurship right Mm -hmm. so you're naturally introverted yet you show up and put yourself in public arenas in places of leadership right you get up and you and you do public speaking you're running for freaking mayor Okay. So for, for an introvert, putting yourself in the spotlight like that, putting a target on your back, Mm -hmm. what went through your head where you said, you know what, this is something I got to do. And why (laughs) did you feel you had to do it? Um, Ultimately it, it, because it fulfills my highest value in life, which is contribution. And that just showed up in my life throughout the years in many different ways. When I was a kid, it, contributing was being the class clown. I still carry those values with me. Um, as I became older, started to play music, my contribution was through music and I like to just entertain people through that. Uh, then when I got into the professional world, um, contribution for me then was teaching and educating. Uh, and, and it's just been constantly evolving and I think the reason I got into politics, quite frankly, is because I feel like this is the next evolution of contribution for me. It's the way that I can give in the most effective way possible. Hmm. That's you know? powerful. Okay. And so that- I think if your values, you know, if you're so clear on your values and you're willing to fulfill them, then those little weird personality traits are overcomable, like being an introvert or whatever. I get that, right? Because you have a bigger why. I love that. So contribution. So Startup Nation right there, Topher is starting us out with some value bombs. What is your big why, right? For Topher, it's contribution and it's played all throughout his life. And it helps him to step in when he wants to step out. It helps him to face the fears and do the work when he'd rather be home with his dog, just hanging out, being solo. No, I will say, I mean, it used to be that I was very naturally extroverted. So that is something that through conditioning in my profession has switched me over to an introvert. So I can flip the switch if I have to. I get that some people watching or listening to this may be very introverted by nature. And if they try to get into a position where they have to be wholly and solely extroverted, that may not feel comfortable for them. They may not find ultimate joy in that. I'm not saying that you have to do the things that you don't enjoy. I can do both very easily. It's just that when I kind of come down to relax, then I can switch that off and I like to be introverted. Very cool. So let's tackle the business side of the interview first, okay? So our audience loves context. How much revenue, gross revenue approximately, did your business, uh, KPI, uh, do in the past 12 months? Uh, You know, I haven't looked at the numbers, but roughly 500 grand. Awesome. Congratulations on that. How long did it take you to hit the first 100K in that business? Um, this would, uh, well, this business particular was hundred K the first year. Um, so that wasn't really an issue. We probably hit hundred K the first three months, maybe four months, I'd say. Um, uh, so that, that wasn't something that was relatively hard. Um, and I think it's the reason for that is because I'd hit it before. So once you've like, once you've gone down that route, then by contrast, it becomes easy again. So in this iteration of the company, um, 
we were we were 100 grand probably like I said in the first three maybe th- let's say just six months just to be safe because maybe the first two three months was all in the promotion at first big mm-hmm. event we didn't have any revenue coming in then come to think of it so, yeah all right so what I'm hearing you saying is you've done it before you've you've built companies where you did 100 grand so doing it again kind of just came natural. Yeah, here's the overall Go context. So the, the most I've ever made in one year was 1.4 million. So, um, and then the next year, by the way, I made 87,000. So Ooh. people always say earning your first million is the hardest, that is bull crap. Losing your first million is way harder. Uh, that sucked uh, big time. Um, so I think once you also push through those barriers, then when you have to come back up and do it again, it becomes slightly easier. You kind of know the journey, you know the path a little bit, so it's not as hard. Um, so I, I don't remember, well, I shouldn't say I don't remember the last time I struggled to make 100K because I'm struggling to make 100K right now in the poli- political world, mm-hmm. which is, the, I think, the, the, the fun part of the, 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 um, uh, uh, the, the podcast because I am experiencing in a whole different realm now with a whole different set of rules and I'm trying to get my feet wet and kind of find my positioning on that one. But from a business perspective, it's been quite some time, but uh, uh, um, I don't remember what year that was that we broke that 100K mark, actually. Yeah, got it. All right, yeah. so let's go a little broad for a second, Topher. I believe that 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first 100K because they're not showing up and doing the work. They're getting caught up in the pretend game. They're trying to look good or avoid looking bad instead of oh, doing yeah. what it actually takes. So why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first 100K? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think there's one reason. Uh, I think there's a multiple of reasons. They could be in a bad business model. Uh, they could be in a bad market. Uh, they could be getting in at the wrong time. Uh, those are all things that are relatively easy to fix, provided they can shed their egos and just pivot if they need to pivot. Um, I think one of the big reasons, though, why a lot of people might be struggling, if they're consistently struggling over and over and they're mm. always living on that next year is going to be the year mentality. Mm. Next year, I'm going to hit it. Next year, I'm going to hit it. Next year, I'm going to hit it. I, I believe sometimes it's because they take advice from people that are giving them advice that's only effective for people that are already over the 100K mark, right? So, for example, you hear all the time, do what you love and the money will follow. It's bullshit. If you do what you love, it doesn't guarantee that the money will follow at all. You might get lucky and it might follow, but you also might not. And I think what happens is, Um, there are different levels or plateaus that people go through with regard to their relationship to how they work with money. And Mm. if you talk to somebody, say, for example, who is a billionaire and you try to get the advice and use their strategies, but you're not, uh, you're not a billionaire yourself, you're probably going to have a hard time. So if millionaires are listening to billionaires, maybe that's okay. But if somebody who's below a hundred case listening to a billionaire, well, those are those are totally different strategies, right? I mean, uh, your best thinking today was your baggage. Uh, sorry, your your baggage today was your best thinking five years ago. Well, financial strategies that get you to a billion are different than from a million and million to a half million and half million to a hundred k and so on. So, I think what they're doing is they're they're probably getting bad advice and they're trying to live that, and it doesn't work. There's a really cool thing. I don't know, Joseph. Have you ever taken the wealth spectrum with Roger Hamilton? It's similar to I his have. Stuff. Yeah. So the wealth dynamics talks about the eight ways to make money. And then the wealth spectrum talks about the nine different plateaus or levels in which you relate to money. And I think it's one of the most powerful things for people to study is what level are they at? Are they at victim? Are they at survivor? Are they worker? Are they at player, performer, conductor? Uh, you know, all those different levels have different strategies for wealth, for how you relate to wealth and how you create them. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons. If you want to, if you want to break hundred K, 
hanging out with people who just broke 100K. Boom. Are in that 1 million mark, but not in the 5 or the 10 million mark. So, Startup Nation, Topher just landed the whole reason behind why I started this podcast, First 100K. That's exactly it. I don't want to bring on the mega millionaires and billionaires, right? You can YouTube them, right? Get their advice. But as Topher's saying, it's not going to apply. They're playing a bigger game, right? Than where you're at. Yeah. The thinking, the mindset, everything. So I bring on guests that have just recently made their first 100K. Maybe they're at 400K, 500K like Topher right now. That's cool because it's still present. It's still relevant to them. And when they speak about the strategies, there are a few exits past you. Just a few. They're not on a different freaking highway, right? That changes everything. You can still see their taillights. I love it, Topher. All right, so Topher, um, we're going to slowly transition over. But before we do, on the business spectrum, what would you say is your superpower? The one thing in business that you never delegate. It's the one thing that is irreplaceable. And all the other things you, you put on to people that are just better at those things than you. What is your superpower, sir? Hmm. That is a very good question. Uh, In fact, actually, it kind of relates to one of the things that I wanted to talk about with regard to strategies for how people break that first 100K. um, And you alluded to that. So I'll start with that answer, and then we'll eventually get to that if I can think creatively and come up with what my superpower Mm -hmm. is. Um, So one of the biggest things that I think people who are struggling to get into that 100K role or people who are struggling to get from the six-figure into the seven-figure role need to focus on is the difference between what is functional and vital in their business. So functional are all of the things if you have the time, money, and resource to do, you would hire people to do. Vital are the things that you are the only one uniquely qualified to do. Uh, And in doing so, you move the ball forward in your business. You scale and you grow. Um, If people would start to look at where they're spending their time, how much time of their day is spent on functional versus vital, I I will tell you that people that do less than 100K are probably somewhere in the 95 to 98 percentile range of doing the functional work in their business and that's why they're not making it so for example let's just roughly break this down if you make hundred thousand dollars a year what's one hundred thousand divided by two thousand and eighty you make 48 bucks an hour so if you're doing any jobs in your business that you can hire people for less than 48 bucks an hour you're choking your company Right, so we see people that think, well, I, I can save a little bit of time if I uh, just design this logo myself. You can hire graphic designers for less than 48 bucks an hour. I mean, maybe not great ones, but you can hire some, right? Um, if you're sitting there doing the filing and you're doing the, the paperwork and you're trying to do you know, the web design, all that stuff, those things aren't necessarily $50 an hour jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even people who might charge you $50 an hour, they hire people to do less than that. So um, I think if you're doing anything that's less than $50 an hour that you could hire somebody for less than 50, you're choking your company right there. So that's a, that's a functional thing versus a vital thing. Um, My superpower, what I, um, the thing is the one thing I, I think I'd probably have to say, it's interesting because I'm not doing anything in my business. Now I've hired people to do for the most part, pretty much everything. Um, so I don't know that I have, I, I'd have to say probably establishing partnerships would be my superpower at this point in time. Mm, I yeah. agree with that. Knowing you as well as I do for the past few years, I agree with that. And I think superpowers develop over time too, right? Depending yeah. on what the need is in your business. So right now you've outsourced everything in your business as a, 
I have as well with my business. That's yeah. how I'm able to do I, these I, podcasts. I say that, but I'm, I'm bragging too much. I have not outsourced everything. I'm in my office right now. Um, <laughs> clearly, I've not outsourced everything. Um, I like to think that I have, but I mean, there's still things where it gets me sucked back into the business and, and I shouldn't be doing that. Um, I answer a lot of questions and things like that. And the reality is we just have better policies and procedures. I wouldn't have to answer those questions. So I also don't want to make it look like I've got my... Um, everything figured out. I clearly don't. Got it. Now, let me ask you this is, and if, and I'm going to ask you to be really transparent here. Okay. Are you still, do you have control issues in your business where you're not letting go of things you should have let go of already? And I'm only in saying my, that because I do. So yeah. in my peripheral vision, I can see Valerie right now off here going like this really big. So I will take her cue and I will say, yes, apparently I have some control issues. Listen, when your employees or associates say you have control issues, let's go with that. <laughs> I agree, right? I, I do. I, yeah, I think we all do. I mean, we're all yeah. inherently that way. She probably sees it more than anybody right now just because she's helping me with campaigns. So I'm definitely all over that like I should be. Uh, you know, every bit of advice I'm giving every of all of your listeners is stuff that I'm not doing right now on the campaign. I need to be listening to my own advice on. Look at that. And, and this is why you're like, why can't I make 100K in my campaign? Why can't I do it? You already have well, all the I'm answers. I'm asking that question, though, because I know okay. I will make 100K. It's just a matter of I'm not making it as quickly as I thought I would. Right. Uh, but uh, no, I, there's no question that I will. Yeah. Got it. So Startup Nation, if you have control issues like Topher does and like I do in our, our businesses, give permission. This was one of the best things I've done, Topher. I gave mm -hmm. permission to all my team to call me out on my bullshit. Yeah. To call me out when I'm controlling things I shouldn't be touching. Yep. And, and, and to say, Joseph, we got this. Like, go find something to do. Yep. <laughs> or go get me what I need so I could do my job better. Mm -hmm. and, and I realized as CEO of my company, that's my job, to be a servant leader. Mm -hmm. To show up and get them what they need in order to do their job better. Yep. And then get out of their way and let them do it. Right? And I, I think that's what Valerie's like nodding at you, right? You know, on yeah. your team. So that's awesome. All right, cool. So let's get into the campaign uh, things. You know, you're, you're a business guy, a local entrepreneur. You decide to run for mayor of your local city. Why? Um, There's easier paths to take, Topher. Why yes. did you choose that? Yeah, certainly a glutton for punishment. Um, I, you know what? I, beyond the contribution aspect of things, if I look at it from a pragmatic perspective, I love this city. I fell in love with it 18, 19 years ago, 18, 18, yeah, 18 years ago. 2018? Yeah, I moved here in 2000. So I, I fell in love with this place uh, 18 years ago. Um, I've seen the growth that it's had. Uh, I'm frustrated but I, that I haven't seen the growth that it's capable of, um, but I'm inspired to see where it's, where it's headed and where it's, where it's come from. Uh, and I've got a very clear vision for where I think this city could be. And I don't see anybody else right now that's even talking about that subject or that topic. And because of that, I think then it means that that's up to me. And so mm. I'm going to be the guy that wants to create the brand identity for the city that it deserves. What I'm hearing you say is that, and, and I'm totally putting words in your mouth, so please correct me sure. in any way. I'm hearing you say that the other people running for office or who are in office are playing the game of politics and you're mm -hmm. choosing a different game. You're choosing to play the game of innovation and, and to take on like, how do we make the city better? Like yeah, forget, forget it. Yeah. Go ahead. It's what do you want to add to um, I definitely don't want to play the politics game. And I think a lot of them are, but I think it's also like, it's not even in their radar. Like people sit here and they, if you, if you talk to the politicians right now in Tampa 
and you ask them, what are the biggest challenges our city has to say? Almost every single one of them will tell you that it's transportation. I don't think transportation is our number one, our problem. I think it's the number one effect of our number one problem. And what I think is the number one problem is it's not even on there. They're not even playing in that space. They're not even thinking about it. And so even if they weren't playing politics, they still wouldn't be thinking in that space. And that's the, the part that I think for me is real critical. So it's a twofold thing. You are right. They are playing a game of politics, which is why they're not looking outside of their own little bubbles, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is the number one thing that's causing uh, these issues? Like, like transit. Yep. For Tampa. I don't, local. Think we know, I don't think we know what we want to be as a city when we grow up. We don't have an identity. Boom. Um, every other city of influence is known for something. And it's usually one thing, by the way. Maybe they have the multiple things that they're known for. You start getting big enough like New York, they got a lot of things they're known for. They're known for Broadway. They're known for the Empire State Building. They're known for um, the Statue of Liberty. They got all these different things. But if you, by and large, you talk about most people in New York, they're probably going to go back to like the Empire State Building, right? That's like the iconic thing inside Tampa or uh, inside New York. Uh, here in Florida, Orlando's got the mouse. Daytona's got the cars. Clearwater's got the beaches. St. Pete's got the arts. What's Tampa have? Nobody knows. And I think until we can come up with one, two, or three words that describe what this city should be, we have an identity issue. All right. So, Startup Nation, I'm going to connect what Topher just said because that's super valuable. And he's speaking in the political realm of a local city missing its identity. Now I'm going to connect it to your business, to your startup. The reason, one of the reasons why you're struggling to make your first 100K or next is because nobody knows what the heck your business is and what you specifically do and how it's different from all the other businesses in your industry. You're having identity problems, right? Yes. And, and it's, it's a matter of choosing that one thing. What is that one thing you're willing to risk everything for, right, to show up as in the world, and to add value and contribute, like what Topher's saying. What's that one thing? Now, Topher's saying, hey, as a city locally here in Tampa, we haven't picked or chosen our one thing. That's right. why it's not working. We need to get clear on what's the one thing. And yes, it's going to take some educating of people, right, to get people used to that one thing. It's not, it may not work right out the gate, be a huge success, but we got to stick to the one thing. And mm -hmm. then after we dominate that niche, that sector, right, it's one foot wide, a thousand feet deep, right? Once mm -hmm. we've done that, then we can move into other one things. What's the next one thing we want to be known for? Yeah. What do you want to add to that, Tover? Yeah, in our company at Key Person of Influence, we talk about that and we refer that as, as, as external clarity. I talk to business owners all the time and I say, how clear are you on a scale from one to 10, what makes you unique or different? And almost every single time I get a 10 out of a 10. And then I ask and I say, how clear is your market? Because I don't care how clear you are on what makes you unique and different. What I care about is how clear I am. And by I, I mean the market, everybody else, that external aspect, right? And if, if the external world doesn't know what makes you unique and different, that's a clarity issue. And that's the problem, right? So here in Tampa from a city, internally, we got all the clarity we want. We know what makes us unique. It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. It's all these different things. Like, that's not unique, right? Um, but outside of the world, nobody even knows what we're known for. Um, in business... If you have that internal clarity, have you learned how to communicate it externally to such a degree that everybody gets and knows exactly what you're known for? The most influential people in the world all are known for what they're known for. Mm -hmm. Oprah Winfrey is known for daily doses of inspiration for women. And she doesn't try to be anything other than that. She doesn't try to appeal to the male audience. Does she have men who watch her show? 
Sure, absolutely. But that's not her market. Her market are women. And they're women that need inspiration, right? And so she knows that really well. Um, uh, Rachel Maddow, man, she's real clear, right? She is the enemy of Donald Trump, right? <laughs> so her market is what makes her unique is that she hates all things Donald Trump. And she doesn't care about ever providing a solution for the fact. She just wants to bitch about Donald Trump, right? Um, and then you go to the other side and you've got um, uh, Sean Hannity, who is the voice of Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't care about whether questioning whether or not anything Donald Trump is actually doing is good. He's just all hail Donald Trump, right? So, the, but they're known for that and they appeal to that audience. Sean Hannity wants to appeal to the Trump lovers. Um, Rachel Maddow wants to appeal to the Trump haters. And as a result, they have good external clarity. All right. So, Topher, I'm going to make this real personal now. Yeah. You're running for mayor of your local city. What's the yeah. one thing that you want to be known for? that you're working to be known for and is it working? Well, and that's the interesting part. So I, yes, I'm, what I want to be known for is the small business mayor. And the reason for that is because small business owners eat impossible for breakfast every single day. We're not intimidated by obstacles and objections. We're creative. We don't take no for an answer. And I think that's the kind of energy we want to need for a mayor. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting because that is the identity as the mayor, but I don't want that to be the identity of the city. So the city identity that I'm shooting to create is a thing called the rooftop city, which without even explaining it, the rooftop city is probably relatively self-explanatory. People probably understand what I'm going for, but I want to create more rooftop experiences in this city than any other city in the world. That's the brand for the city or the identity for the city. But mine is the mayor's of the small business mayor. I want to be small business friendly. I want to make sure that this is the number one place in the world for small businesses to come work and play. Okay. So, and, and, and again, I'm always going to dig a little deeper. Okay. So that sounds really good on the ears. What does that look like specifically? How do you do that? Give me like a one step or two step strategy that you have planned for this city yep. to be, you know, that mayor for small businesses because, and I'm not going to use names, but we've had other mayors that have claimed certain things. I have been at city hall yelling at them and them yelling back, getting red in the face, which was not my best moment, but it's what happened because they weren't actually doing what they were promising. So what does that look like for you? I'll give you two examples. One on how it will impact small business owners directly. All right. So one would be zoning and codes. Uh, we have outdated zone zoning and codes right now in the city, which make it very hard for small business owners to succeed. If you want to open up a coffee shop, okay? So my friend Raphael owns Kawa Coffee. My friend James Ramos has Indigo Coffee. Uh, if either one of them wanted to buy a building or build a building on a lot, three quarters of that lot has to be dedicated to parking roughly because we have this outdated code that says for every 1,000 square feet, you have to have 3.2 parking spaces or something like this, right? Um, and what they're doing is they're trying to accommodate maximum usage time, which is only about 5% of the day. So we're designing these parking lots for 5% of the day, and then they're obsolete 95% of the day. And so what ends up happening is this person wants to buy this lot. This lot's a $10 million lot. They build a coffee house. That coffee house doesn't make money in the parking lot. It makes money in the coffee house, but now they have to make the coffee house smaller, which has smaller tables and shorter times uh, and can't accommodate more customers. And as a result, they're limited by how much revenue they can generate because they have to, according to our codes, 
have these monolithic huge parking lots, which makes no sense. And sometimes the codes are so stupid, they'll have businesses right next to each other. For example, like a bar next to an H&R Block, where H&R Block used the parking spaces during the day, the bar used the parking spaces during the night, but yet both of those businesses have to have, what is it? 3.2 parking spaces, I think, don't quote me on that exact number, per 1,000 feet. Makes no sense at all. And it's costing mm. them their ability to generate revenue. So that's one example on the small business owner side. The other example would be in terms of the creativeness of small business owners. Right now we're trying to get the new raised ballpark into Ybor City. And their big, con uh, big, big uh, uh, argument about who's gonna pay for it is the city gonna help pay for this ballpark. And I've met to meet anybody other than perhaps the owners of the raise that really would like to have the city pay for it. And if I guess I own the raise, I'd want the city to pay for it too. Listen, I've moved my office four times in the last five years. The city's not giving me one damn dollar to move my office. I don't see any reason why we should be doing that for the raise. That being said, I'm a business owner. I'm a small businessman. I'm not going to say no to an opportunity. If the raise want to come to me and present to me a proposal that if city funds injected into that ballpark would then and somehow give me a tangible ROI of 5, 10, or 20%, why wouldn't I listen to that opportunity? Absolutely, I would listen to that. But I've got a strategy, thinking like a small business owner, to where we could get the federal government to pay for that stadium. What does that look like? I want to connect Orlando to Tampa with Hyperloop, which is Elon Musk's high-speed rail. Goes about well, it's no rail. There's it floats in air, but it's uh, uh, goes 700 miles an hour. We can literally get from Orlando to Tampa in 10 minutes. We can get from uh, Tampa to Miami in 13 minutes. I want to connect Tampa to Orlando with a 10-minute Hyperloop. If we do that, where are we going to put the loop? We want to get as close to downtown as we possibly can. I would like to see the Rays incorporate the loop into the actual design of the stadium. If they put the loop into the design of the stadium, it's a part of the structure, it's no longer coded as a sports complex. It's now coded as a multi-county transportation system, which opens it up for state funds and federal grants as well. So we could actually have the federal government help pay for this, and we wouldn't have to pull money out of our city in order to get there. And then we would have the people from Orlando who do not have a major league baseball team be able to come to a game with a 10-minute commute and not even have to pay anything for, for traffic or, or traffic for parking or for uh, Uber or cab or anything like that. You just literally land in the ballpark which would be very attractive to the Rays because they would open up an entirely new market of another city, even greater in population than Tampa. Which also, which also distributes a ton more revenue into the local economy. Yeah. Heck, then the people after the game could, if they wanted to, go over to Orlando and party and then come on back. It's a 10-minute ride. Why wouldn't they? Dude, I don't understand all the complexity of how to do that. I get the overall big picture though. Yeah. And, and Startup Nation, what Topher's sharing right now is what we do as small business owners. Yeah, We connect puzzle pieces, right? We see, okay, the, you have a problem over here, you have a problem over here. How do I create a, not just a win solution where one person wins, the other two lose, but how do I create a win, win, win? I always believe in there's three wins in every different, in a good solution, in a great solution. And that's what Topher's doing. It's like, okay, the Rays will win, the local city of Tampa will win, and the small business owners will win. And, and there's and actually and a Orlando fourth win as well. Right, right. And there's actually yeah. a fourth, which is, you know, attendees to all the games. They win too. Yeah. 
Like this is a great solution. Is it doable? I don't know, right? You would have to, you know, break it down and, and look at the facts. All right, but that's it, powerful stuff. Go ahead. It may not be the greatest one, but it's a solution. And here's the thing. It's even beyond the solution. Why aren't the other politicians thinking with that level of creativity? Because mm -hmm. they're not all business owners. That's why. They're bureaucrats. All they do is they look at a price tag and they go, can we afford it? Yes or no. That's it. End of discussion right? They don't go, well, wait a minute. How could we find ways to pay for it that don't take money out of this thing or something like that? Mm. Getting creative. Yeah. All right. So Topher, speaking about that same exact thing, speak to Startup Nation right now. And I'd like you to give them one, two or three tips about doing exactly what you just described, but in their own business. Yeah. Okay. So here's a, here's a strategy. So a lot of people, um, especially making under six figures, right? They look at the expenses that they need to do in order to get somewhere. Um, uh, well, uh, I need to hire somebody for graphics design. I need to hire somebody for administrative. I need to hire somebody for what, uh, IT. I need to hire somebody for marketing. I need, and I don't have all the money for that. Okay, well, first off, I've never met a, a small business owner who ever has enough money, right? Elon Musk has cash flow problems. Let's just put that out there. His cash flow problems, by the way, have nine more zeros after our cash flow problems, Joseph, right? We've got cash flow problems, so does he. If you don't ever want to have cash flow problems, don't ever own your own business because everybody has them, right? So just because you can't quote unquote afford it is no excuse not to do it. Um, what you can do is you can get creative. So for example, there's a great book called Slicing Pie by, by Mike Moyer, possibly the best book anybody should ever read who makes less than six figures because it shows you how to bring on partners without ever having to pay them. And what you do is you create theoretical share value to where they're willing to get a certain level of ownership inside your business in order to help scale and grow it. Where you could literally start with an entire staff or team of people if you wanted to without ever having to pay them. You could also, if you don't want to give them equity, you could give them deferred payment that's twice the value of a normal paycheck. So if you hire a, uh, an assistant at 10, 12, 14 bucks an hour, you say, listen, I'll pay you 28 bucks an hour, but it'll be due in 90 days because there's a risk that after 90 days, this thing falls apart and you didn't get any money. So the reward for you is you get paid twice as much. The risk is you don't get paid for 90 days. You know what? There are people out there right now who don't have a job who would love to take on that opportunity because they know that it'll take them another 90 days to find another job anyway, right? So there's creative ways. I think one of the biggest challenges that keep people stuck under six figures is they focus too much on the how. Mm -hmm. And they don't focus enough on the who. How is not your question to ask as an entrepreneur. Who is your question to ask as an entrepreneur? So when you have an ambition, a goal, a vision, instead of like once you've created a vision, don't sit there and go, well, how am I going to do it? Instead say, great, now who do I need on my team to make sure this happens. Because if you get the right who's, they already know the how. That's powerful. Startup Nation, did you hear that? Like that just opens up unlimited new possibilities for your small business, right? Like there's nothing you couldn't do without asking who is the right who. I didn't mean to rhyme that, but that's, that's what's, what's there. It's like people, there are endless resources for what it is that you want to do. Now it's a matter of you finding who those people are and then showing up and persuading them on your vision and then creating some kind of solution that works for them. Topher used one, like deferred payments, right? Where there's a big win for them, but also a huge risk. But they're willing to take it because whatever situation is going on in their life. Like, I love that because Topher, in what you just shared right there, in looking at the who instead of the how, it, 
it forces me as an entrepreneur to take 100% responsibility for my business, for my dream, for my goals, without any excuses or reasons why I can't. Yeah. And most of us don't want to do that because that means work. And by the way, you're probably not the best how anyway, <laughs> right? There's, but, there's smarter people out there that know the how anyway. So just ask, focus on the who's. Yeah. I love that. Powerful stuff. All right. So Roger Hamilton, by the way, he's the one who taught me that. Dude, Roger Hamilton, I've used his courses. The guy's freaking brilliant. Yeah. All right. So share with us one of your daily habits, right? Something you do every single day. Okay. I know you I get, get up, but get that helped you make your first 100K in business, yeah. right? And up to 500K that you're at now. And mm-hmm. as well as that you're doing right now in your campaign to make sure. your first 100K or next. I get up at five, between 5 to 5.30 every morning and I read for about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, What's, what do you read? What, is there anything specific like type yeah, of, I, I of read, reading? I read books that do one of three things. I read books that make me a better human, books that make me a better citizen, and books that make me a better business person or leader. Um, so I will read leadership business development books. I will read books on urban planning and development. Um, I'm going to be creating a list in the next couple of days, the five books that every politician should read. And you should be calling up your elected officials and asking them if these read these books. And if they haven't, vote them out. <laughs> and go to your candidates and ask them if they read these books and if they haven't, vote them out. Don't vote them in. Find the people who have. Um, uh, and then just books that just make me a better person as well. I probably spend less time on those now um, because I've been entrenched in the personal development field for so long. Um, I spend more time focusing on the business development and the citizens development, making a better citizen, better, better person there. So. Got it. And as a small business owner, Topher, what is your favorite website, your favorite app, your favorite digital resource and why? Um, favorite app. Uh, well, okay. I'll tell you from it, from an app. I love expense tracker. Uh, expense tracker is the easiest way to track and account for all of your expenses. You can take pictures of the receipts each month. You get it done. You just send an Excel spreadsheet with all the receipts attached to your bookkeeper, your accountants. Um, I love that. I think it's a great app. It's expense tracker here. I'll show you the, uh, the icon. And what you just take a picture of all your receipts. Yep. See, that's cool. I normally hold my receipts in my wallet and then I give it to my team when yeah, I see no, them. This is, the, uh, this is the app. Got it's it. Just, it's a yeah. magnifying glass on yeah. top of your it's, expenses. It's spelled X-P-E-N-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R. And it's amazing. Super simple. simple. They've even got OCR now where you can actually just take the receipt, take a picture, and it just fills out almost all the stuff. It's pretty intuitive. That's cool. Love that app. Yeah. And Topher, let's wrap up this section. What is the one thing you want the world to know about being successful in business? The one thing about being successful in business, um, check your ego at the door. Um, mm. Egos ba- bankrupt more companies than anything, I think. They just get so stuck in their ways that this is how it has to be done, that if the model doesn't work, they should be changing and they should be pivoting and they should do something new. And that takes a little bit of uh, uh, humbleness sometimes when you're the one who created the idea, thinking it'd be perfect. Yeah. Mm, that's powerful. And I Pivot agree. Or die. Pivot or die. All right. So Startup Nation, we're listening to Topher Morrison. You can find him at topherformayor.com. That's topherformayor.com. And Topher, what's your other website, your business? Key Person of Influence USA. 
and the person of influence USA. So for take 30 seconds and describe why a business owner would want to work with key person of influence. Uh, well, they wouldn't unless they are a small business owner that has a service-driven company that's probably been in business for at least three to five years, if not more, uh, and they're doing at least a half million in revenue. Uh, otherwise, our system isn't really the best for them. Um, but if they are a professional services company that's doing at least a half million in revenue uh, and they would like to expand their personal brand as the owner and then leverage that brand to grow and scale their company, we're the company for them. What's the benefit of that in like two sentences of leveraging their personal brand and how does that impact their company? Sure. Well, the most, uh, the best opportunities in the world go to the most influential people. Influential people don't need to have outbound calls. They get to curate inbound calls. And so if you want the best opportunities in any industry, you want to be the most influential person. We've cracked the code on what makes someone influential. There's five things and we can do it in about six months to a year for a company. And what's the website again? Key person of influence. Dot com. Oh, sorry. Key, well, that'll work too. But keypersonofinfluenceusa.com takes you to the local one. Startup Nation, if that speaks to you in a powerful way and you want to become that key person of influence in your industry where business shows up at your door rather than you out cold calling for it, check out that website. Go uh, work with Topher's team. They're amazing people over there. I know them personally. All right, Topher, this is my favorite part of the uh, conversation. Welcome to the hustle round, my friend. This is where I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Don't overthink it. Are you ready, sir? <laughs> uh, overthinking is never a challenge for me. <laughs> Got it. Topher, what's your favorite sound? My dog. Topher, what's your least favorite sound? The IRS calling. <laughs> when you were a child, what did you not want to be when you grew up? I don't know that I ever gave it any thought. What did you want to be when you grew up? A rock and roll star. Topher, what are you most afraid of? Be real. Um, I don't think I'm most afraid of. Uh, uh, extreme loneliness. Mm, that's real. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? A functional crap that didn't do anything for making a sale. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Uh, they will get me sick. <laughs> gotcha. Germaphobe. A little bit of a germaphobe. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? Uh, focus on the vital. Let the functional fall away. Got it. What's a new habit you want to form? I've been, I've not been going to the gym as frequently as I would like to. So I'd like to resurrect my old physical fitness dedication, which was never, nothing ever got in the way of it. Got that. Awesome. What's a bad habit you want to break? Um, bad habit that I want to break. Asking people to do things, but then after I've done it, not confirming that I communicated it correctly because I inevitably will think I've asked it the correct way and then I won't get what I asked for and then I get all pissy and then I sit back and reflect and go, probably actually wasn't very clear on that one. Man, that's powerful. Don't you nod your head now. Don't you nod your head. Yep. Learning to clarify. What did you hear me say? And then hearing it back is like a game changer. Okay, cool. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, authentic, humble, and tenacious. 
Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Uh, uh, inexperienced, stupid, optimistic. Got it. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Uh, former mayor of Tampa Bay. He gave us the brand we all love. Man, that's like stepping into the vision. Love it. And last question. If you could come back to life and tell your family and friends and loved ones only one piece of advice, Topher, what would you say to them? Don't look at my web browser history. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can resist that joke. Um, that was good. The, the question, what would I want to give, what advice would I want to give them? Yeah. If you could yeah. come back to life after you died, tell yeah. your family, friends, and loved ones only one piece of advice, like about life, about love, about anything. What would you say to them? Jeez, I don't know. Um, if you did that, know, what would you say? It's a tough question, my friend. It's a good one. I like that. It's a pretty deep question. Um, uh, uh, make sure you tell people you love them more. Mm. That's kind of corny. That was corny, but you know what? Well, it's I'm powerful. Trying come, I'm, I'm trying to think I would be enlightened. So <laughs> I, <laughs> That's true. You would be enlightened. Okay, so Startup Nation, today we were speaking with Topher Morrison. You can find him at topherformayor.com. If you liked what he had to say about politics, about Tampa Bay, about his vision for Tampa to make it the world's number one rooftop city, Go check him out at topherformayor.com. Cast your vote. Put this guy in. Yes. Put in a donate button, please. Click the <laughs> donate button. Pay faster. Listen, I, I got, let me let me close on this, Topher. How close are you to your first 100K in campaign dollars? We're over halfway there. You're ha over halfway there. Okay, got it. All right, so go to Topher for Mayor. You, by the way, you were one of my big donors, so thank you very much. I appreciate you very much. All right, so Startup Nation, I put my money where my mouth was, right? And, I, and by the way, I'm just going to say this real. I don't stand with Topher on every issue. This is true. But I stand for Topher because I stand for his character, who he is. And I would rather vote on character every day of the week. And I believe as a, as a country, we have fallen away from putting people in office that have solid characters. And instead, we go based on political parties and all this other BS. Yep. Put people in who you know of their integrity, you know they're black and white, and you know they're not going to vary. They're not 50 shades of gray. That's where we get into trouble. You see what I did there, Topher? Yeah. Bam. You may be fit. I don't, I don't even know, buddy. All right. So Topher, any last parting words for Startup Nation? Uh, hey, thank you for letting me on. Uh, if you go to the website, we've got plenty of free information there that you can download and you can read and you can watch tons of video. You can go to our YouTube channels as well. We've got plenty of stuff for entrepreneurs there to check out. Uh, and don't give up. Uh, 100K is closer than you think. I love that. They say like that's like the most uh, common thing in successful people. They didn't quit, mm -hmm. right? It's like just a pattern. So don't quit, pivot, learn, and constantly go to people who are just a few exits past you. Don't go to people that are completely down the road, right? It's going to be right. advice that's not re relevant to where you're at, Startup Nation. Tover, thank you for joining us today. I wish you peace, love, and your first 100K in campaign dollars, buddy. Thanks, brother. Appreciate Here's you. Here's to the next mayor of Tampa, topherformayor.com. God bless you, Startup Nation. 
Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with, but won't admit. We gotta get your faith right to get your business right. Go to brokencatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you right back here next week.